0: from the time of the conquest and uh, next week will be Ruth uh, from from the time of judges Uh, you know it's not really a major part of Ruth but it mentions right at the beginning it's from the time of judges and then um, uh, Uriah's wife is from the time of kings and prophets and then finally uh, Mary uh, is is kind of that transition into the new covenant and so uh, you know, it's very poetic. I, I like that, and, uh, and that that speaks to the coming King. And uh, so uh, today we'll be looking at Rahab. And uh, um, I- as a-, a pastor, and and just uh, I've I've had a-, a lot of opportunities to to talk to people about their faith and share Christ, and and I would say, just from personal experience, the the number one barrier to people accepting Christ uh, is, is uh, just, they think they're okay. and um, they, they think they're going to go to heaven, and, and they don't need to do anything. That, I think that's the biggest barrier, at least in, in our culture today. But I, I would say, I, I don't know if it's number two, but, but up there, one that I come across is, is some form of, they think they're beyond the gospel. That the gospel doesn't either apply to them, that's, that's not really for me, or I've done too much, uh, I can't be redeemed, uh, some, some version of, of that. And uh, you know, I often, especially those who think they're, they're just way too evil, I often mention Paul, the apostle, um, and I say, you know, uh, when's the last time you've persecuted the church that led to people's deaths? You know, and, and there, so far uh, no one said yes. Uh, uh, but uh, you know, uh, and so I say, and and look at him—he got saved. Uh, he came to Christ, and he calls others uh, to do the same. And so, really, that that argument doesn't fly. But but I think Rahab today uh, also speaks to that very same thought from a much different angle uh similar to to i 've done the same but but you know of of the women that we 'll be looking at this series uh you can 't get much further from god you can 't be much more on the outside and and she comes to christ, she becomes uh, a, a person of God, a person of faith uh, who trusts him and and uh, uh we'll we'll look at it in a second but uh, i th- i think she speaks greatly especially to those who not necessarily are focused on how much evil they've done but just you know i'm an outsider i'm i'm way beyond god's love uh, i i and you know they would never say it that way but but they they think that way and they behave that way and of course this will also speak to us today who have made that decision and uh, hopefully will be a good reminder So let's, uh, we're going to read the genealogy again in in, in honor of God. Uh, if, If you are able, will you stand with me as we read Matthew 1, 1 through 6. Let me. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez, and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram, and Ram the father of Amminadab, and Aminadab the father of Nashan, and Nashon the father of Salmon, and Salmon the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz the father of Obed by Ruth. And Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David, the king. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. And and your word is, is you revealing yourself throughout history, revealing your plan, your story of redemption that you had planned before even the first sin began. And that plan involved your son, and your son is the, the coming, the, the, the long-expected uh, Messiah, Father. And, and he lived a perfect life, and he died, and he rose again, and, and he calls all to himself who are willing. And Father, I, I pray for those who, who might uh, need to hear this message, both here or in the stream. And, and I pray that we might be bearers of this message to our friends and our family that all are welcome, that Christ died for all, and this is why He came. And we celebrate that, and we love You, and we honor You, and we praise Your name. Speak to us now as we, as we hear and study Your Word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, uh, you know, I, I don't want to dwell too much on this, as fascinating as I find it, but if you do a word study of Rahab, uh, in the Bible, you'll find out there's actually two Rahabs, uh, and uh, uh, the the other Rahab um, is uh, quite interesting, uh, but we don't know a lot of detail, but, but you start to learn uh, this Rahab is mentioned in uh, Job and Psalms and, and some of the prophets, and, uh, and uh, it's a mythical beast. Uh, from other ancient cultures. Uh, It originated in other ancient cultures and and, uh, sometimes is associated with the the kingdom of Babylon. And so most of the time in in this other Rahab is mentioned, it's talked about how God has triumphed over this mystical sea dragon of all things. And it sounds really cool, but that's not why we're here today. (laughs) That is not in the genealogy of Jesus. But I say that to say that this, our Rahab, May have been named after this beast, and and, uh, and so uh, if not, it's just an unfortunate coincidence for her. So, uh, uh, but yes, uh, we pick up with Rahab uh, from the book of Joshua. If if you'll turn there with me, um, we'll we'll read a couple passages from Joshua, um, but I will uh, summarize uh, her life and and then. Uh, really uh, look at what her life speaks to in general and then speaks to in, in reference to the coming Christ, Jesus, the long-awaited, expected Messiah. And so, uh, I went too far in Judges. If you hit Judges, go go left. So just in Joshua chapter 2, to, to catch us up... Um, During the time of the patriarchs, Joseph, through Joseph's faithfulness, uh, the whole uh, family moved down to Egypt, and and they were already 12 uh, uh, brothers with, with large families themselves at that point but they continue to grow they prosper in Egypt and and uh, they become so numerous uh, that the pharaoh uh, is a little worried like what if someone attacks us and all these hebrews uh side with our enemy and so uh he enslaves them and and uh and, and so we we are quite familiar with and, and the people of Israel now now a, a nation of of 12 tribes um become enslaved and uh, you go back and you read the story of Exodus and, and uh, uh, Moses, uh, uh, just a wonderful story, a, a, a faithful servant of God, uh, uh, leads them out with great signs and wonders. And in fact, you even see it here in Joshua that the people, as God continues to move his people across the land to where they're promised hundreds and hundreds of years previously... God is making himself known among the nations. He even told Moses and Pharaoh that. You know, this isn't just about you. I'm making myself known among the nations. And and, and something I, I got to preach through first and second Samuel. A long time ago, uh, you know, uh, the the Israelites bring out the Ark of the Covenant uh, to one battle, and 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 really they 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 kind of treat it like an idol, and they're trying to manipulate God into winning the battle, uh, and and they ultimately lose. But when they bring it out, the Philistines go, "Oh my goodness, we're in trouble. We've heard about this God who has redeemed Israel's people, and this is like." several generations later and they're still telling stories about how amazingly God brought his people out of Egypt and so God fulfills his promises as we've seen I I love that about last week God protects promises that haven't even been made yet because he's God and he knows what's going down and so Israel, of course, gets redeemed um, and they get brought in and they're about to go into the promised land and they send in some spies. And the Bible doesn't tell us if they should have done that or if they shouldn't, but uh, 12 spies go in and and 10 come back and say, "Uh uh-uh, not going to happen, there's giants in the land. And two spies say, what are you talking about? God's with us, let's go take this land. And, And they all listen to the 10 spies. And God uh, said, you know what, you were supposed to listen to the two, you were supposed to listen to me, more importantly, and uh, I'm going to wait till this generation passes away, I'm going to preserve those two spies, and the next generation going to take the promised land. And that's, that's kind of where we pick up. Joshua and, and Caleb were those two spies. Joshua has now taken the place of Moses as the leader of the people. And, and God tells Joshua in, in chapter 1, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show the people that they can put their trust in you just like they could put their trust in Moses because I'm behind you. Because I'm at work here. And, uh, and so now, they've, they've conquered this land to the east of the River Jordan, which wasn't originally part of their promised inheritance. And two and a half tribes saw how good that land would be for cattle, and they wanted it, and they worked out a deal that they would still help them conquer the real land, but they could have that land. And, uh, and so now, this new generation is on the cusp of moving into the promised land, and Jericho, whom we're all familiar with, I'm sure some children's songs or some Veggie Tale songs are popping in our heads right now. Um, so Jericho is, is the first city a, as they move into the promised land proper. And, and uh, you know, God seems to have a, a pattern, a history of of doing extra signs and wonders uh, among new things. You know, you see the new covenant. There's a lot of stuff going on there in the book of Acts that doesn't always happen. And uh, you talk to missionaries. When God is moving in amongst a new people group, there, there seems to be uh, extra signs and wonders. And God is pleased and, and welcome to do that as our sovereign Lord. Uh, we, shouldn't, we shouldn't expect it, but, but it does seem to be the pattern, and, and this is no exception. So the, the story of the fall of Jericho takes uh, like six or seven chapters, you know a, lot, a large portion of Joshua, and so it's really important. God is kind of saying, we're moving in, and we find out, and this becomes important later, we find out that some of these cities are going to be totally devoted to God. Um, and, and that means everything is going to be killed in it, down to the livestock, and all all anything of value will be given taken into the temple and and the people are are to devote that entire city to god and Now that troubles some people, and, and that 's really not what this sermon is about uh, but but we 're going to pick up a little on that that in, our, in our, our, our sermon today, so I don't want to ruin it right now. But, uh, so, Joshua sends in spies again, but this time, uh, just a, a couple spies go, and they cross over into the land, and, the, and, and so they're, they're checking out the land, and they stop at Jericho. And uh, as, as you read the story in chapter 2 primarily of Joshua... Um, you you get the sense that that Rahab served dual roles. She 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 was an innkeeper and she was a harlot, and uh, she did both. and 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 some people have tried to say she's just an innkeeper, but the the Hebrew word really doesn't it it really means harlot you know but we're not sure it doesn't tell us what the spies did but but so people might come to her place and spend the night or people might just come to her place uh, for a little while and and so the spies go there and and it's well known Uh, they get seen uh, but but it wasn't uh, unexpected she's right by the city wall that might be strategic so that she can get more uh, foreign customers Uh, who knows um, there's a lot of, you know, you, you read and study this, this story, there's a lot of little extra details that, you know, I want answered, but they just don't answer them for us. But uh, so we, we learn some interesting things. The city of Jericho is afraid, the city of Jericho knows about the people of Israel, and, and they kind of figured they're doomed. They've seen what Israel's done to the two kings across the river. They've heard the stories about how they were taken out of Egypt with signs and wonders that just are too amazing to believe. And just kind of, you go back and read Exodus, all of those plagues are a god in Egypt. And God is screaming to the Egyptians, look at your gods. They're not gods. I'm more powerful than them. They can't stop me. Even Pharaoh couldn't stop Was who was considered a god. And so that god is like literally saying, there's no other gods but me. And uh, Rahab realizes this. The entire city figures they're doomed, but Rahab realizes this. this and, and so uh, she decides to make a decision. And, and what I think is pretty amazing is she decides to help the spies before she has any deal in place. She's like, Here's this God. He's clearly the only real God. I'm going to see if I can side with him. And so uh, this is is what she says to, to the spies. Oh, just a second. Oops. I can read the black screen on my computer easier or on my phone. So Devoted to destruction, and as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, and there was no spirit left in us, any man, because of you. For the Lord your God, He is God in the heavens, above and And on the earth below, now then, please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, you also will deal kindly with my father's house and give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and mother, my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. And the men said to her, Our life for yours, even to death. If you do not tell this business of ours, then when the Lord gives us the land, we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. And I I, I picked that moment because that is... The key moment uh, uh, where, where she uh, approaches them. She already decided, you know, uh, to hide them up in the rafters, to hide them up in the hay. And then her king comes by and says, Where are those guys that, that we saw go into your, your inn and, and, and deal with you? And she's like, Oh, well, when they heard the city gate was closing, uh, they ran out and, and, and went away. And she, she's doing all of this. She didn't ask the spies to hide, uh, uh, make up a plan. It's, it's all her plan. And then once it's done, and she tricks her own people, and they go out into the countryside, she, she approaches the spies, and she says, I, I have dealt kindly with you. Will you return the favor? And they do. And they do. And, and you read on, and they, they work out a plan, and they say, you know, we won't be we won't be guilty if we find you wandering out in the streets. You have to stay in your house, which is in the wall. And and they even agreed to put a little red cord in the window where she lowers them down from the wall. And. Uh, and uh, I, I find it interesting, some of the, the interesting facts are, uh, she must have had quite some place, because you, you mentioned all the people she once saved, her, her mother and father, her brothers and sisters, and all of their children. And so she, she must have had quite the large uh, facility to, to hold them all. And I also find it interesting that she's still connected to them. Now, uh, 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 as, as we, we're going to look at later in, in God's faithfulness, and uh, and who he is we all know you you can go read it the walls fall down (laughs) that's where she lives the walls fall down and it says that the israelites all just ran straight into the city they're they're encircled around the city and none of them had to like verve they all just ran straight into the city the wall was worthless but she was saved and so you see God uh, honoring this promise because uh, you know, the wall was so destroyed that every Israelite could just run straight into the city and yet her part of the wall was fine. That's God. And, uh, and so um, I, I'm, I'm just amazed at, at this woman and her faith. And, and, and she steps out. In faith, she realizes who God is. She decides he's the one true God. I'm going to side with him against my own people. And and I really don't think you can get much further outside than Rahab. I mean... Uh, uh, this is a people who, who have hardened their hearts towards God. This is a people that uh, are enemies of God. And, and, and the fact that, that uh, she can maintain uh, familiar relationships and, and be o- they're okay with what she does for a living has kind of showed you how morally the, the, the Canaanite land has fallen. You know, and, and they're okay with their daughter being a prostitute. Or at least she can call them and, and and they'll like trust her, and so she is a prostitute from an enemy of god i I, I really don't think you can get much further outside of God than that and so her life screams two things in my mind: her life screams faithfulness she she takes a step of faith a step of amazing faith and her life screams about the greatness and the goodness of God that no one is outside of it that all who turn to him he will not turn away Amen. and we'll look at that more later but i want to focus on her faithfulness and and i think another character that that uh, when i think of rahab and the, just I don't want to say it's extreme faithfulness because Jesus says anyone who puts trust in him is like the faith of a mustard seed uh you know he says the faith if you have faith of a mustard seed, you could tell a mountain to move and it'll move and and, and and uh, I, I'm really convinced that Jesus is saying that's the same faith that, that brings someone from dead to life spiritually when they put that faith in me. That is a greater miracle than a mountain flying through the air. But we would all just jaw drop at that mountain, wouldn't we? But the greater miracle is, is someone spiritually dead, coming spiritually alive, going from an enemy of God to a child of God. And that is the faith of a mustard seed. That is what we all have who have trusted in Christ. And so I don't want to call her faith extreme faith because even in James he says, you know, Elijah was a a person just like us. We all have that faith. We don't all exercise it. We don't all take advantage of it. And I think this is, she is in an extreme situation. And a lot of people think, I'm outside of God's goodness. I've done too much. I cannot be saved. And that is a lie. A lie from hell and a lie from our own fallen fleshly nature. And we should just say, no. Think of Paul. Think of Rahab. Think of the thief on the cross. Talk about another extreme situation. You know, here you have Rahab who who sides against her own people and turns to a God that they pretty much figure they're doomed and thinks, maybe I can appeal to that God. And she can. And here you have the thief on the cross. And, and you read the gospel messages. And, and only Luke tells us the story. All the other gospels just tell them both thieves at the start are cursing and spitting at Jesus. I don't know about you, but if I've, I'm going to die and I'm suffering, it's, it's all about me. I don't care about the other guys, but for some reason, they too are joining in on the mockery and the shame and the cursing of Jesus. And yet one of those thieves watches Jesus as he's dying and as Jesus is dying, and he begins to see something. Again, just an extreme moment. I don't know if I could watch someone die and think, there's my ticket. There's the guy who's going to save me. I don't know if I would recognize that. And yet he does. And and, and so we have these people, these examples of faith that we can call upon and say, no, what you're saying is a lie. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord can be saved. No one is outside of God's goodness, God's love, the redemptive work of Christ. And so finally... You, you read a lot in Joshua because there's a lot of preparation and Joshua has to learn a lesson himself before they go in, which I just really love, um, uh, but we don't have time for. And, and, and finally in chapter 6, four chapters later, they're, they're actually taking Jericho. And, and uh, Joshua tells those two spies, we never learn their names, but I wonder, as you learn who married Rahab and who was the father of Boaz, I wonder if it was one of the spies. I would think so, but, but I don't know, and I, I couldn't find that out. Uh, but, uh, and so, but Joshua sends those two spies in and says, You two have a special mission. You go in and you save Rahab and all her family, and and so that wasn't even part of the deal. They were just supposed to huddle in 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 their their house, and and they they were supposed to be safe there. But Joshua knows the heat of battle. He he he's uh, experienced, and he's like, let's just make sure that this really happens, and I'm going to send these two guys in to get the whole family out safely, and and that's exactly what what happens. So in in Joshua. 6, verses 22 through 25. But to the two men who had spied out the land, Joshua said, Go into the prostitute's house and bring out from there the woman and all her, who, who belonged to her, as you swore to her. So the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and mother and brothers and all who belonged to her, and they brought all her relatives and put them outside the camp of Israel. And they burned the city with fire and everything in it. Only the silver and gold and the vessels of bronze and iron, they, they they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord, but Rahab the prostitute, and her father's household, and all who belonged to her Joshua saved alive, and she has lived in Israel to this day, because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. Promise fulfilled and she becomes a part of the faith family she becomes a part of the people of god and ultimately becomes the mother of boaz who next week we'll look at ruth uh, just a wonderful story i love i love that story i love preaching it but but god uh got me uh, really into rahab through stephen's choice and the timing of his graduation but uh yeah and so you see all these women who are on the outside who are on the outskirts and i think none more than rahab speak to us about the faith that jesus is coming to ask for people to have and and the fact that it doesn't matter who you are if you realize who god is and you realize that you need to be a part of his family you can come and and that's what Rahab's life speaks to us in to relation of the coming king. But before we get to that, uh, her story itself, I think, speaks to the faithfulness of God. Because uh, uh, I mentioned that the Canaanites' hearts were hardened. Well, Abraham... <laughs> Oddly enough, back in Genesis 15 is told that it's not yet time for for him to really inherit the promised land. I'm going to give you this land and and God tells him uh, in in Exodus 15:12 through 15 this. This is what God is saying uh uh you know they're about to renew the covenant, um, and, and you know really would love to go in. This is my favorite uh, covenant story because because Abraham has this covenant reaffirmed several times, but this one just speaks powerfully. But uh, in Exodus 15:12, as the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram, and behold, dread. Uh, And behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there and they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterwards they shall come out with great possession. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace, you shall be buried in a good old age, and they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. And so Abraham straight up told that his people will be strangers for a while and then they'll become slaves and then eventually, with great signs and wonders, I will redeem them and lead them out and they will take the land that I promised you. But wait, the Amorites have not yet completed their iniquity. Their hearts haven't totally turned away from me yet. And so for 400 years... God's patience and his forbearance amongst the Amorites is waiting for that time. And and that kind of tells us how far gone these cities are that are being totally devoted to God and not all of them. And Jericho was one of the cities. And a lot of people get hung up on that. And yet... If you read the rest of the Bible, it says we'll all die one day, and and one day there'll be an end to all time, and we'll all stand before God, and he will judge us. We're okay with that. That makes sense to us. Well, he's judging people all along the way. And he has that right, and he has that authority, and he's the only one even capable of doing that correctly. I would do a rotten job of it. I would have smited us all a long time ago, you know? And so, so he he totally uh, Jericho is one of the cities slated to be totally devoted, and yet one woman has faith. They're slated for destruction, and yet in the midst of that, God does not turn her away. Her life speaks to the faithfulness of God that even in the midst of his judgment, if someone repents and sees who he is and puts their faith in him, he will not turn them away. He could have easily said, sorry, I've slated your city for destruction. Too late. I'll save the spies some other way. But, but he wants to show us who he is and who God is is loving and faithful and he will not turn anyone away. And in fact, Peter picks up on this uh, uh, later in Second Peter. Uh, some people were, were making fun of the Christians, maybe even some of them who called themselves Christians too. And they're like, where's Jesus' second coming? You know? And they were kind of mocking God and saying he was late because the early church hadn't quite figured things out yet. And a lot of them expected Jesus to come back pretty soon. Thankfully, he didn't. Because uh, we wouldn't be there, uh, and so they were. There were scoffers and mockers in in Peter's day. And and Peter says this in in Second uh, Peter chapter three verse nine. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you not wishing that any should perish but that all should reach repentance the heart of our god has not changed he is patient he is kind he is loving and it is his desire that we all like rahab like the thief on the cross like paul figure it out and realize that we need forgiveness that we need jesus christ who offers that forgiveness that we need to repent and give our life to him And that's God's heart. That's what he wants, and he will never turn that away. Jonah had to learn that lesson. We're going to study Jonah, a little plug for grow groups. We're going to study Jonah uh, next semester in our grow groups. Jonah had to learn that lesson. It's one of the most important lessons, that God's love is for everyone, God's offer is for everyone but he asked us to trust him, to take that step in faith. That's how we receive this gift of Jesus Christ's forgiveness. And so God is loving and faithful, and Jesus Christ, the coming king. This is why Rahab is, is so influential. Uh, you had Tamar, you had Rahab, and, and uh, we'll have Ruth and, and Bathsheba and, and Mary, the, the women and that, who are mentioned by name in his genealogy. And this speaks to Jesus, the Christ, the coming King. That he, when He comes, He is coming so that people can come to God. So that people can, like Rahab can put their trust in Him. That, that can switch allegiances, that can switch sides. And, and your circumstances may be extreme, like Rahab's, like the thief on the cross, like Paul. But the faith is the same. The faith of a mustard seed. All you have to do is turn, repent of your sins, say, I know I did wrong, I know I need forgiveness, I know I can't do it on my own. Jesus, will you forgive me? Jesus, will you be Lord of my life? Jesus, will you help me out? And and it doesn't have to be in those exact words, just that, that heart sentiment, and you have to mean it. And, you know, as we look at the genealogy, at that point, when Jesus is still being hoped upon, still being waited upon, still being expected, and I, I love the imagery of Christmas uh, that that Jesus is the light of the world, and, and you have this nation that has this knowledge that, that one day God will will make all his promises come true, one day god will will redeem them, and they 're under the slope. The the the, slope, the 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 yoke of the, uh, as slaves to to Rome and, and and they're expecting an earthly kingdom and, and but you've got all this hope we got all this expectation and and it's dark and it's miserable and it's horrible just like in Tamar's day just like in 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 uh, Rahab's day just like in our day you know Rahab's city was so far gone that that it was okay that she was a prostitute and I, I feel like. Our culture is kind of getting there. But it doesn't matter. Darkness is darkness. And Jesus is the light. And, and I love that imagery of Christmas. And, but that hope has been fulfilled. That expectation has been met. Jesus has come. And now we get to proclaim a different message. You don't have to hope anymore. You don't have to keep waiting. You can become a Christian now. You can have fulfillment now. You can have the promises of God now. And so now the message of Christmas pulls on that hope, pulls on that expectation and say, it's been answered. Jesus came. And He's coming again. He's coming again. And all those promises that we have the moment we put in faith will be fully realized and perfected once we are with him in heaven. And in between these two comings uh, is, is the message of Christmas, the message of Rahab, that you can switch allegiances, that you can put faith in Jesus Christ. And it doesn't matter who you are. You can be an enemy of God and a prostitute in that nation. It does not matter who you are. And in fact, just to complete Rahab's word study, uh, two New Testament writers pick up on this: uh, Hebrews and James. And I, I thought it was interesting. And I, oh, sorry about that. I thought it was interesting, and I was going to make a, a, this kind of the entire point of my sermon. But I realized Rahab's life is a bit bigger than that. But this is a big point too. Because Hebrews 11.31, uh, we won't turn there, among the roll call of faith, Hebrews chapter 11, the roll call of faith, all these faithful people in God, and Rahab the harlot, she's called Rahab the harlot there, uh, she's not in the genealogy, and and uh, but, but uh, Hebrews calls her Rahab the harlot, and James again mentions Rahab's great faith, or extreme, or regular faith in extreme circumstances, as I'm trying to say. Two authors acknowledge this this moment of faith in Rahab's life, encouraging others to do the same. And I think, especially as you read her in in the Hebrews passage, by referring her to her old life, Rahab the harlot, they're they're really, in, in, in just one little phrase, they're highlighting the redemptive work of Christ, of who she was before and who she is now. Um, but uh, just with that one phrase. And so I, I, I often ask myself uh, as I've been studying about Rahab what label would I have borne before I knew Christ? How would I have been known? And this is a dangerous road to go down, especially for some personalities like my own. You can really start to dwell on the negative and and your past and really let it beat you up. And Satan loves that. When, When you decide to go down that path, I say only go down that path if you can do the second point. What label are we living now? Are we, like Rahab, part of the redeemed? Are we, like Rahab, someone who recognized their sin and their iniquity and that they're on the wrong side and think maybe, just maybe, this is a loving God, and He is. And I can turn to Him, and you can. And so I I think about our lives, what label we might have borne before and what label we have now today and, 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 of course, this message is, is two-pronged. If you've never had that moment in your life, when you've asked Jesus Christ to forgive your sins and be your Lord and Savior, I implore you, today can be the day. This is what Christmas is all about. Yeah. Rahab's life speaks this. Practically every person of faith uh, in some way speaks this. And so should we. Our lives should be like Rahab. We, this is what we were, but now we're redeemed. Now we're saved. Now we proclaim the goodness and the faithfulness of God through Jesus Christ, our, His Son, our Lord and Savior. And I know, and this is last final point, is really for, for those who have already made this decision. I know there are days when I don't live like that where I don't even acknowledge this great transformation that has taken place in my life. And I don't really live like the redeemed. I live under the yoke of busyness, under the yoke of sin, under so many other yokes. And and Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. My yoke is light. My work is easy. And plus, (laughs) this isn't part of the passage, plus my spirit will be in you. I will empower you to do the work. And there are days where I just don't really live in the reality of the redeemed. And I need to, not so that I can get saved again, but so that I can restore the fellowship that I have with my Father and with Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. I need to repent of that. I need to say, sorry, Lord, I'm not living the life that you ransomed yourself for so that I could live. And again, it's not about the words, it's about what you mean in your heart. And so, my final challenge, my final message is for those who have trusted Christ, are we really living as redeemed? Does our life proclaim that this Christmas season? Because that's what Christmas is about. Jesus came for a purpose, uh, to, to live a perfect life, to die on the cross, and to rise again as, as proof that it's sufficient, and to pay for our sins. And we all know that. But are we living it? Are, are we known for it? In, in that one breath, Rahab the harlot, those gospel writers knew exactly what God had done for Rahab. And they want that for us. They want that for everyone who will hear. And we should want that too. Let's pray.